welcome to Brand With Podcast. I am your host, Ivan Estrada. In this podcast, we will be discussing all things branding and marketing, from fashion to design, real estate, entertainment, tech, philanthropy, and much more. Nothing is off the table. We will have guests from all over the world to give you a global perspective on branding and marketing. Our goal is to dissect as many branding and marketing experts to get you all thinking about your brand by providing motivation and inspiration for you. Thank you all for listening and let's roll. Welcome back to Brand With Podcast. I am your host, Ivan Estrada. Today, we have a very special guest who played in the NFL for six seasons. He was drafted by the New England Patriots in 2006 after playing five seasons at the University of California, Berkeley, where he received two first-team All-Pac-10 Conference honors, as well as the Morris Trophy for being the Pac-10's top offensive lineman. He finished out the second half of his career on the Kansas City Chiefs, where lingering injuries forced him into retirement. The completion of his football career was more than the end of a significant chapter in his life, as it was a time where we had to confront his unfaced personal challenges. With help from a few people, our guest was able to finally be his true, authentic self and find his new purpose. I would like to formally welcome Ryan O'Callaghan. So how's it going, buddy? How are you? It's going great, Ivan. Thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you so much. So you have quite the story. I mean, I have to say that when we saw your video, you know, it was like, okay, I want to see more. I want to see more of Ryan. Like I, I can resonate with the story and I can resonate with who he is and I felt it. So, you know, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. And we're recording this podcast in June when it's, you know, celebrating pride all over the country. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing now and any projects that you're currently working on. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I came out to family in 2012, and then I waited quite a while to come out publicly. You know, I, I had to get my life together. But um, when I decided to come out publicly, I, I, I had a feeling that, you know, people would reach out to me, want advice. And so I wanted to really have a platform to do that. So I started my charity. I, I call it the Rhino Callahan Foundation. Originally, it was the idea was more to give scholarships to LGBTQ athletes. It was an idea without a total understanding of how difficult it is to give scholarships with all the rules out there. But I also didn't anticipate exactly how many closeted athletes would reach out to me wanting to sit down, talk, advice. Uh, so really, it, it I kind of made a turn with with the whole idea. And, and now I've been more focused on uh, really outreach and, and, and talking to uh, closeted athletes who really find themselves in a similar position than I was. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, my, my story's kind of like an onion, a lot of messy layers. So people are able to relate on a lot of different levels. So tell me a little bit about that experience. When did you know? Like, was, was it when you were 10, 12, 15? Like, how did that kind of evolve over time where you thought, wait, I think this is it. Like, I think I might be gay. Yeah. When I was you know, a kid, elementary school, my, my buddies were having a little crush on a girl here and there. And I, I just wasn't feeling it. Now, at that point, I didn't, I didn't know I was gay. I just I did think something was up though, um, but I knew for sure as soon as I hit puberty because not only am I not attracted to girls, I am attracted to men. And that's when based off everything I heard from family and friends, you know, throughout my life up to that point, I, I thought that I had to be closeted and no one would ever accept me for, for being gay. How is your family now? Like how was that experience of coming out to them? Because I know personally for me, you know, I, I had a bit of a rough patch with my family. Like I actually thought, I think it was the opposite from your experience that I thought they were going to take it a lot better when it did come out. Because in my life, I actually wasn't going to come out. I thought, you know, I'm just going to, 
I like girls here and there and, you know, I just have to find the right girl. And, you know, I'm just going to live this, I think, inauthentic life. And I'm okay with that because I want to make sure that my family and my friends and everyone around me keep respecting me and keep loving me. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to just pretend. And, you know, unfortunately, my parents and I, we went our own separate ways for a long time. But with your experience, it was different. Yeah, I, I was absolutely convinced that no one in my family would would accept me. But when I did finally get to the point and, and gain the courage to actually tell them, I was surprised, uh, <laughs> to say the least, with, with their response. Um, I started by uh, telling my parents, well, I, I told my best friend first, but as far as family goes, I told my parents. And But at that point, I hadn't spoke to my parents in months. I was really struggling with my mental health and drug addiction and, and suicidal thoughts. And I was just pushing them out of my life to, you know, make it easier on them if I followed through on my plans. So when I did reach out to them, they were happy to hear from me, but they didn't know what was going on. Um, I went out to California and I, it was just me and my parents sitting in the living room and I, I made it very dramatic because to me, this was the biggest thing I was ever saying. And it was their opinions that I cared about more than anything. So it took me quite a while sitting there across from them in the living room to actually say the words, you know, I'm gay. It, it I practiced my whole life not saying those words and I dreaded their reaction my whole life. So when, when I did tell them, uh, my mom stood up and, and gave me a hug and she started crying and uh, told me she loved me. And my dad, he, he gave me a hug, you know, uh, which was much better than I, I, you know, I pictured army. I pictured things getting thrown and getting kicked out of the house and, and, for my dad to just give me a hug and everything, it it felt good. That's what I thought I needed at the time. Um, you know, fast forward a little bit. I, I I didn't even try to date or anything for over the first year. You know, I had to get myself together, and it took that long. It it took me dating the first person for my dad to even bring it up. You know, for that first year, year and a half after I came out, we didn't talk about it. But really, there there wasn't a whole lot to talk about because I wasn't you know, living a gay life or anything. But I, I think as soon as he saw me with someone, it, it became real. And the first thing he said to me that that opened that line of communication, uh, he said, after an event that I, I took a guy to, he said, Brandon seemed nice. So that was kind of his way of, of to me, letting Eight me know, steps, okay, it's yeah. okay. He's come around, you know, he's, he likes the guy. I mean, I, I'm not dating him anymore, but he liked the guy. And that from then on, we've had a pretty open line of communication and, you know, we're now to the point where my dad tells me he's proud of me for the different things I'm doing to, to try to help others. And, and, you know, using the, the platform that I've, you know, been blessed with to try to try to help and, and get the NFL to do more and more. And so tell me a little bit about what you're doing, you know, other than the foundation, especially with the NFL, you know, cause I think of the NFL as a brand and, you know, I, I wasn't really into sports growing up. Um, I try to cover up my, you know, me, the fact of me being gay by doing other things with my dad or playing soccer or anything that kind of felt masculine. And obviously the NFL brand is a very masculine brand. You know, is that kind of what led you into the whole the football and, the, and kind of like and kind of why you concealed it as well for as long as you did kind of feeling like, well, what is the NFL going to say if I come out while I'm playing? Like, I mean, this can be a, a huge ordeal. Yeah, we, we have that in common. I didn't love sports growing up either. And I, I honestly, I still don't. To me, football was solely a cover for being gay. It was the best cover I could find. But you know, I, I never thought I could come out when I was playing. Um, 
I didn't hear a lot of homophobia in the locker room, not, not in the NFL locker room at all. Uh, you know, you do in high school and college, but kids will be kids. But once you get to the NFL, it, I didn't experience that. So what, there wasn't anything that happened when I was in the NFL that drove me deeper into the closet or anything like that. It was really my own internal struggles. But when I came out, one of the first people that reached out to me was Mr. Kraft, the owner of the Patriots. And as a player, I had no idea he was such an ally. I didn't know about all the things he did for you know, speaking out for marriage equality before it was even a thing and supporting the uh, gay flag football league, Super Bowl, And then soon after that, I heard from Roger Goodell and the NFL started an employee resource group for their uh, New York employees and had me out to come uh, speak on a panel for them. And after that, uh, Roger pulled me aside and, and we started chatting and he asked me what he can do to help other closeted players. I was kind of caught off guard, didn't have a great answer, but Basically, you know, we talked a little bit and I said, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. Um, and since then, I, I've, I've met with the league a couple of times, met with Roger again, November 2019. Um, and I gave him some things to do. He's very receptive. You know, Roger's brother's gay. Like, I didn't know this. So he understands the community, but he's also running a multi-billion dollar business. And, you know, like most businesses, money's the priority. So, you know, I, I understand that the NFL can only do so much, but because, uh, you know, they're hesitant to alienate any fans and, and hurt business. But I think they're finally to a point now where they understand that doing the right thing is more important. Um, so they've, they've done quite a few things from sponsoring pride parades and having floats in New York to uh, this past year on coming out day. They, they did a commercial at the halftime of all their games where not only did they have me and another uh, out former player, but they had allies like Gronkowski and other big name guys basically sending the message, you know, hey, if, if you're gay, come out, we, we have your back. And um, just tomorrow, I'm, I'm doing a Instagram live thing with the NFL. So they're, they're taking steps to to use their platform and, and their influence to really to do better. Um, and I, I'm proud of them for it. Now, obviously, there's a lot more things that they can do to actually reach guys in the locker room, which I've been pushing for. Um, but I'm not going to get greedy. I'm, I'm happy with what they're doing. But I'm going to continue to try to get them to commit to more. Committing to more, like what does the ideal world look for you? Like when you say you want them to commit more, what what does that look like? Well, I, I think it's important to actually reach guys in the locker room. It, it's great to help, you know, to get the NFL out there saying, yes, we support it because there's a lot of people out there that are fans of the NFL that don't, and it might make them think twice, but there's a lot of closeted players. And I think it's important to reach those players in the locker room. I, I think it's no secret that if a big name closeted player came out, that would have more of an impact than pretty much anything. Uh, just the influence the NFL has and, and pro athletes have on society in general, it, it would. So I, I mentioned uh, coming out every year to the rookie symposium where they, they gather all the rookies who were drafted the, the year and they have a series of meetings, um, financials, sex education, just basic. Don't spend your money. Don't get someone pregnant and, you know, have someone come talk about, you know, yes, there's LGBTQ people in the locker room. Your words matter no showering with them doesn't matter, you know, just the basics. And I think that that's a way to reach everyone in the locker room. It's something very simple that the NFL can do and it really wouldn't cost them anything. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I totally agree with that. And, and coming like from, you know, we're a branding podcast and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to kind of, you know, come up with the, one of my coaches would always say, you know, branding is what people say about you when you leave the room. What was it that would cross through your mind? Like, you know, when you were in the league, of the things that maybe people were saying when you left regarding to branding or who you thought you were? 
Yeah, I, like I said, in the NFL, there wasn't a lot of homophobia. It was more guys talking about their, you know, how many girls they got with, or, or the cheerleader, or the groupies. It wasn't there. There wasn't a whole bunch of or any gay bashing or anything like that. Um, and I, I really think that's a positive thing, obviously, for closeted athletes. But it's going to take, you know, a, a more of a the NFL and the, and the teams on their own doing bigger things to actually show their support. That's going to make you know, the closeted person in that locker room, you know, stand up and, and finally say something. And tell me a little bit more about your experience. Cause I, you know, support systems and, you know, having someone to talk to, especially if you feel that you're not feeling well, I don't feel like I fit in. I think for you, it was an epic time to be able to have that therapist to talk to about coming out. How was that for you when you had to tell your therapist, I'm gay? I really got lucky by our team trainer noticing something wrong with me. Um, he noticed, he, he knew I was taking painkillers. He didn't know how many, but I think he just saw me often enough where he, he saw a decline and he recognized it and he was discreet about it, but he brought me in his office and said something. Um, once again, he didn't know, you know, I was gay. He, he didn't know the extent of things, but it took someone recognizing, you know, me being different for me to seek the help. I don't think at that point I would have done it on my own. I think people need to not be afraid to actually go out and say, you know, I, I need help. You know, I'm going to go talk to someone. Uh, what's, what's the worst that can happen? You know, the, the, the people, the professionals you talk to can't say anything. Um, and even if you don't want to go talk to a professional, you're, you're struggling with being closeted. I'm sure everyone could look at their close friend group and, and find someone, think of someone who you would feel pretty confident that you could tell them, they would be okay with it and they're not going to tell anyone else. I think that's a great start, you know, because, because most people aren't going to get lucky like me and have someone recognize that something's going on and then set them up with a therapist and everything else. So I was very lucky in that respect. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I mean, I, I still, you know, see a therapist every week and I think it's so healthy to have someone to talk to just having someone to be able to fire off all this information and try to process things you know not just things from work family but just in life right to be able to unpackage like what you said earlier with your journey it's like been like an onion right it's been like this kind of like un, un kind of unflowering of this onion and so for you in your purpose what does your purpose look like now what's other than having, you know, your amazing Ryan O'Callaghan Foundation, like how has your purpose changed from, let's say, from when you were in the league to where you're at now? Yeah, well, I, I want to say something based on what you just said. You know, it's great that you still see a therapist and you talk about it openly. I do too. Every month I still talk to someone. Do I feel like I need to? No. Do I think I'm crazy? No. Uh, but just being able to say something to someone and in, in confidence and get their two cents. It's, it's priceless. I think we all need to focus more on our mental health, whether you really think you need to or not. I think you'd be surprised the benefits of actually talking to someone. Um, but yeah, my, my purpose now I, I think is, I mean, generally helping people that were in my same position. A lot of times that is as simple as just listening. You know, I've had several closeted athletes. I mean, it, it still happens every month or two. You just reach out and just want to talk. I think we both Remember the first time we told someone that we were gay and, and our fears and how good that felt, you know, whether it was a therapist whose opinion really didn't matter or, or a close friend, it just feels good to actually be able to tell someone. So I'm happy to be that person that someone can go to, to talk to, you know, that they know that I'm not going to say anything. And, and I've kind of, I've lived this life at 
this point to, you know, be able to, to give them good advice. Um, and I'm always happy to listen and, and point to positive examples of athletes who've been able to come out and, and have a even more successful career after coming out. Now, obviously you shouldn't come out for financial reasons, but there's plenty of Olympic athletes that I could point to that where it's actually benefited their career and, and made their name. So yeah, my purpose now is to, to help others who are in the position I'm in to try to spread a more positive message. I think too many people are hung up on thinking that sports are toxic for LGBTQ people when that's been the opposite of my experience. I haven't had a negative reaction from any teammate that I've played with and uh, or owner that I've met with. And it's really been quite the opposite. So like the more people that can hear that and, and understand that sports are a safe place, it's the better. And let's talk about fear because I, especially during COVID, I mean, fear was just running rampant everywhere. Like how did you, other than the therapist, was there anything else that helped you really confront that fear and, and face it head on? Because for everyone, you know, there's so many friends of mine and relatives who have dreams about this and that, but then fear just stops them at their tracks. Do you have like a, a certain system or something that kind of helped you make that bold move other than your coach and, and the therapist that really helped you along the way? It, it really was the, the trainer and the therapist. For me back then, it was mentally had a lot of problems. And for me, it was a life or death situation. So, I mean, it's ridiculous looking back at, at how big of a deal I made it. But um, it really was the therapist and everything that that made me you know, take a step back and for 10 minutes think maybe this could be okay. Cause that's all it was. It was all fear that was keeping me in the closet. I, for 29 years that I was closeted, I never took 10 minutes to stop and think maybe I can come out. Maybe my family will love me. And it actually took the therapist saying, well, if you're just going to kill yourself, why don't you talk to family and find out if you need to something that basic. And I think I'm a reasonable guy. It never even crossed my mind. So for, for that long, I was just so negative and caught up in my own fears that I drove myself insane. I mean, quite honestly. So, you know, there's a lot of cliches about facing your fears and everything else and taking chances, but I think the most successful people out there and the happiest people do that. Yeah. And and in your book, you know, My Life on the Line, you you talk about how parents should be very cautious with the words that they use and and to be able to support their children. And I have my book coming out in November, Brand with Purpose. And I instill that in the book as well, that parents should support their kids no matter what. It could be about them going to art school instead of, you know, going to law school or, you know, just having different life choices that parent probably the parents don't approve with. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as long as you love your kids and you support your kids and that they know that, I think they'll be able to live a more fulfilling life and be more authentic to themselves without having to live up to mommy and daddy's perception of what we should be. So tell me a little bit more about that, um, about your book and and the main message that you want people to get out of it. Yeah, w- words matter. And, and what I, I've talked to several parents with with uh, LGBTQ kids and, and their reaction. And a lot of the parents' concerns are their fears that their child's life is going to be more difficult. And what should they do? And But I also like the conversation I have with my sister about my nieces and my nephew. You know, she's saying, well, what should I do? I said, well, you remember what we used to hear from mom and dad and our aunts and uncles about gay people, this. I'm like, yeah, don't do that. Just there's no harm in early on just sitting them down and saying, you know, when you hit puberty, you may like girls, you may like boys. Either way, we love you. So don't don't think it's a big deal. Just just let us know. And don't just say it once. Say it a few times over the years. And I think that'll instill in in your kids that 
they know that they'll be loved no matter what. And it'll make them more comfortable because the fact is earlier you can come out and, and be yourself, the more confident and, and better off you'll be in the long run. Yeah, the better world we'll live in. You know, I think uh, I have my little nephew who's a, a year and a half and my sister is also gay and, you know, her partner and, and my sister Vianette, like they're making sure that their kid, that he knows that he is loved no matter what, what choices he makes. I mean, the messages that they have across his room, the books that he's reading, it's just, you know, it's like you got to start them off young, right? Making sure that they know that they are loved no matter what. And that we live in a world that's just more authentic to itself and, and having just people just love people no matter what, you know, no matter what you like, what you look like, where you live, what you like to eat, even um, that we just kind of just live in a world of harmony. And, you know, I think now after the pandemic and especially with what we've seen in this country, I feel like we're so divided that it's just like, you know, we got to do something to kind of just mesh all this back together. So Ryan, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Any message that, you know, if there's a a 12-year-old boy listening to our podcast and he knows your story and he knows who you are, like what message do you have for him or her? Yeah, I, I always tell kids just don't be afraid to be yourself and be as authentic as possible from as early an age as, as you can. It's uh I think have faith that people will, will accept you for who you are and you know, and if people don't you know, also have faith that the world will catch up and one day that, you know, they'll figure out how good of a person you are. Yeah. And t- talk about how you feel. There, there's there's no need to uh, to hide or try to be someone else. And in the sports world, don't think that being lesbian, gay, trans, whatever means you can't do something. Uh, I've, I've heard that an awful lot. The fact is there's more out college football and probably every other sport players right now than there ever have been. So, there's a lot of examples out there. If if you want to be a you know college football player or even a professional, you can. You know, I think it's only a, a matter of time before a lot of these kids' idols that are athletes start coming out because they are out there. So yeah, just be yourself as as from an early an age as possible, and have faith that people will accept you. And if the people around you don't, you'll find a whole group of people who will. Exactly. Well, thank you all for listening in. And thank you again, Ryan, for joining us. This has been so inspirational. And you can follow Ryan on Instagram at O'Callahan Ryan or check out the Ryan O'Callahan Foundation by visiting rondf.com. Thanks again. This was awesome. You're very inspirational. You know, to people like me who, you know, I'm 37 and your story just resonated with me so much. And it just reminds me that kids out there who are 8, 9, 10, 15, who still need us to be a good role model. So thank you for filling those shoes and, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you all again for listening to this episode. For more information on branding and marketing, check out our ecosystem on brandwith.com. You can also find more tips by signing up for our newsletter that's not boring or by following us on social media. If you're looking to get featured on this podcast to discuss your branding or marketing needs, find out how to do so on our website as well. Can't wait for you to brand with us again.